Good morning. It's good to see all of you here with us today. If you have your Bible, will you take it and turn with me to the book of Galatians, that passage that, passage that uh, Pastor Dave read for us. That's going to be the place we land this morning. If uh, you're going to use one of the Pew Bibles, I think you can find that on page uh, 1131. Um, I'm not sure if all of you got the uh, insert that was in the worship folder in our first service. Not every worship folder had those uh, inserts, the feedback cards. Um, only some of them had them. Not everyone got them, and I told them that was designed on purpose. Um, we didn't want their feedback. We wanted other people's feedback. So, um, no, honestly, we want, we want to know what you thought and what uh, uh, you think of the message. So if, if here's what we're going to do. We're going to make sure the mailboxes this week have the cards in them in case somebody missed them. But we were, all, we're also going to run them next week as well. So please just uh, fill those out. Give us your feedback. Let us know uh, what you think, and uh, we'll go from there. This morning we are jumping back into our series an inconvenient truth after taking a couple of, or taking last week off. And uh, we're jumping back into that today. We've got just a couple more topics that we're going to cover. And uh, next week, we're going to look at the reality of heaven and hell. And uh, Pastor Rick and I are going to uh, tag team that, that message. And so that'll look a little bit different next week as we're both up here sharing different components on heaven and one of us sharing on Hell, and guess who drew the short straw? <laughs> Senior pastors have privilege. Um, no, we're looking forward to that, and we, uh, we uh, hope it will be a blessing to you. Um, today, for the few moments that we have left, um, we want to look at this Galatians 5 passage, and it's a, it's a passage and it's a topic that's, that was vitally important to Paul. It was vitally important and he was passionate as he wrote to the churches that are in the uh, region of Galatia. And I don't know if you picked up on that uh, as Pastor Dave read through that passage, but, but Paul was very passionate about this one area, this area of freedom in Christ. He was adamant as he wrote this letter. You see, just to give you a little background, a little history, um, Paul wrote this letter because these churches that were in the area of Galatia, these new churches that that have just started, these people that have just uh, figured out and understood what it means to to follow Christ and to put their faith in Christ and to to serve Him and to love Him, these new, brand new churches were being influenced by one person or a group of people um, that were coming alongside of them and saying, the faith that you now have in Christ, the faith that you proclaim to, to secure your eternity, to forgive your sins, to give you fullness of life here on earth, the faith that you have in Christ, it's, it's uh, inadequate. And what you need to do is you need to add to your faith the customs and the traditions and the works of our religious heritage. And that's why the passage talked about circumcision and non-circumcision, all those kind of things. They were talking about the, the works and the customs and the, 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 the things that they did that pertained to their heritage. Because this person was going around influencing the churches and these new believers and telling them, your faith in Christ alone is inadequate. And in essence... 
faith in Christ alone is not enough to forgive sins. It's not enough to secure your eternal destiny and it's not enough to give you fullness of life on earth. But it's faith in Christ plus adhering to the standards of our traditions. It's faith faith in Christ plus these customs. It's faith in Christ plus the works that you have grown up with in this religious heritage. And when Paul heard that, it just set him off. He was furious that somebody would come and influence the churches. These new believers, these new followers, influence them to step aside from faith alone in Christ and and hold on to a teaching and a belief that added to that doctrine. He wants his readers to be sure. He wants people to be crystal clear that there is nothing other than faith in Christ that brings salvation to people. Nothing else. It's not Christ plus something else. And so he writes these words in Galatians chapter 5. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, again, holding on to the tradition and the value and the works of the heritage, if you let yourself do that, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to everyone who lets himself be circumcised or or hold on to tradition or works or those customs, that he is obligated then to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. But by faith we eagerly await through the Spirit of through the Spirit the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision or traditions or values or customs or works added to your faith, none of that has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Verse 13, you, my brothers, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 16, I say to you, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But, if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Paul is clear. Paul is clear that it is faith alone in Christ alone. 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 Nothing else saves us. Nothing else 
justifies us before God. Nothing else washes the stain of sin away from our hearts. Nothing else brings us into a right relationship with God where sins are forgiven, eternity is secured, and the fullness of life that God has for us on this earth is possible. Nothing else breaks the power of addiction. Nothing else heals broken marriages. Nothing else restores hope to the hopeless. Nothing else satisfies a thirsty soul. It is simply and profoundly faith alone in Christ alone. We need to understand this principle and this point. It is not just found in Paul's writing, but it is the entire message of the Gospel. Matthew and Mark and Luke and John penned their circumstances and their experiences with Christ because they wanted to drive home the fact that it was faith alone in Christ alone. Nothing else needs to be added to secure our destiny. Nothing else needs to be added to forgive our sins. But many people, as they've grown up through the church system, have been led to believe that if they act a certain way, that if they dress a certain way, that if they speak a certain way, then we uphold the Christian way and we earn favor with God. Many people have grown up in a church tradition that says we have faith, but we also have how we live as Christians. And when we put the two together, then we are Christian. Because good Christians don't do those things. Good Christians don't go to those places. Good Christians don't are not involved in those activities. And so, you may have heard it said in your upbringing, if you were or are a Christian, then you would not do or act or live this way. People in our culture, I think, have been disenfranchised by the church because of the rules and the customs that we've placed on top of faith in Christ. And so the picture and the message that is then communicated to our culture, both implicitly and sadly, sometimes explicitly, is that to be a Christian, you do these things and you don't do these things. That's what it means to be a Christian. And it's exactly what Paul was fighting with the Galatians. For them, their heritage was Judaism and they, they found all their customs and their works in keeping the law. And that's why the words that are written in Galatians are written that way. But for us, in this day and in this age and in our history, it's our Christian culture, it's our Christian heritage that too often have the traditions of men, our personal points of view, and our personal convictions instead of the direct commands of God.
And this is dangerous. What makes us Christian is not what we do. And we need to hear this. What makes us Christian is not what we do. What makes us Christian is the one we follow. What makes us a Christian, what calls us to faith, what forgives our sins, secures our eternal destiny, and offers fullness of life here on earth is not what we do, it's who we follow. And we have to rest in the fact that who we follow will affect and influence and help us change what we do. What we do does not make us who we are in Christ. But who we are in Christ will affect how we live our lives. We can't force this on people. We can't mandate this on people. People are welcome to Christ just as they are. And we are free in Christ as Christians, to live with freedom. Paul writes in verse 1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened by the yoke of slavery, of trying to hold on to customs and traditions and works as though you can earn God's merit and favor and security and salvation through a checklist. God says He doesn't want us to live that way. He wants us to live with faith in Christ. He does not desire that we walk through life every single day with our little checklist and making sure I I do these things and I attend this event and I go this place and I make sure I avoid this part of town and these relationships and those people. Christ did not set us free so that we could walk through life with a checklist. That is a burden. He puts undue strain on our lives and our faith. And when that becomes the measure of our faith, when the checklist, the doing and the not doing of certain things so that I can uphold my Christian heritage and add it to my faith so that I can present myself to God and probably, if we would be honest with ourselves, present ourselves to other people. When I put those two things together, In essence, what we do is we reject the grace of God that comes through faith. When that becomes our measure of faith, we actually alienate ourselves from Christ. We actually invalidate the work that He has done and says, and we say to ourselves, I need to do that. Jesus, I don't need what you did. I need to do this. He says it right here. Verse 4, you who are trying to be justified by the law, keeping of the customs and the traditions and the, and the works to, to earn salvation, you've been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. We grab hold of something else. We grab hold of our heritage. 
We grab hold of all of those efforts, of all of those works, of all of those customs, of all of those, those, those checklist items. We hold on to those things and we let go of Christ. We substitute a heritage based on God's grace through faith alone, in Christ alone, for something that we, we can hold on to, that we can manage, and in essence, actuality, we can micromanage. You were called to be free. Verse 13, you, my brothers, were called to be free. I don't know if there was a moment in your life when you got this, when you really understood this. I don't know if it was a a message or a Bible study or a reading, but but it finally hit you. I'm not tied into these, these acts, these works. All I have to do is find my faith in Christ. Faith alone in Christ alone secures my destiny, forgives my sin. I don't need to and I don't have to live by someone else's customs, by someone else's works in order to have favor with God for salvation. I have favor with God because I have faith in Christ. And that is freeing. We then don't walk through life with a burden. We can put the checklist down and continue to live our life walking with Christ, being led by Him, free to do and to live and to act and to breathe, not saddled with a checklist of things, of works and heritage. And I know where we're going already. but you can't sin in your freedom. I know. I read the rest of verse 13. You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Paul is very clear here. There's no mistake about it. You were not given freedom to sin. Instead, rather, Serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up with love your neighbor as yourself. Our freedom is not a license to do whatever we want to do because God will forgive us. We don't get to live that way. That is irresponsible. That mocks what Christ did on the cross. Paul writes that our freedom, our freedom needs to be led by and directed by the Holy Spirit. And therefore, it is couched in self-control. If we would continue to read through that passage, Paul again is telling us, do not, do not let your freedom, don't use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature, but instead... Be led by the Spirit of God. In your freedom, in living your life, be led by the Spirit. And if you are led by the Spirit, 
You will not do the things that you should not do that are outside of God's boundaries. And it's, it's as if there's this dance taking place in our spirit. We are free to live and to move and to breathe and to act in freedom. But we do so under the guidance and the control and the direction of the Holy Spirit. And He leads us. And He guides us. And He shows us what right living is all about. And the result of a life that is lived like that is that famous fruit passage that is a couple more verses down. When we live like that, the fruit, the evidence of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. And self-control helps guide our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. So freedom isn't this living, living as though nothing matters. Freedom is living connected to the Holy Spirit, not connected to the traditions and the works of our heritage where people are telling us we need to live and to act and look and say the right things and dress the right way in order to earn God's merit. That's just not true. Think of all the energy and all the effort that we put, that we've put in our, in our past to measure up to somebody else's checklist. Think of all the time and all of the, 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 the investment, all of the energy in, in living up to the checklist. What would happen if we took all that time and reinvested it into loving and serving people. Freedom was never given to us so that we could be selfish. Freedom was given so that we could love and serve others. What would happen if we figured out a way to love people? Isn't that the message of the gospel? Isn't that what Christ did? Didn't He come and and tell us, I'm coming so that you won't have a burden? I'm coming to lift that burden? And didn't Christ find Himself in the midst of some unsavory people? What was the charge against Christ? He was a friend of sinners. He was a friend of sinners. He went to where they were to make an impact on their life because he lived with freedom. He didn't live under a law. He lived in freedom. I'm afraid that we've grown up in a church culture in this country that wants to micromanage everyone. We are so afraid that in freedom we're going to sin. We're so fearful of that that we begin, we, we begin to put parameters around freedom. We begin to put parameters around what people can do and how they can live. And so the cycle continues. And we become just like the Galatians. You know what I love about God's Word? 
I love how explicitly clear God is on what is sin and what is expected of his people. God is explicitly clear on what sin is and how his people should live. It's as though he's already drawn the boundary lines for us. These are the boundary lines. This is sin. This is dishonorable to me. When you do these things, you step out of bounds and you sin and you bring, you bring judgment on your, on your actions and your life. But within the boundaries, within the boundaries, there's tremendous freedom. Live and breathe and go where you want. Exercise this freedom. Love other people. Serve other people. Go and find other people. There's tremendous freedom inside the boundaries of God's standards. There's no second guessing what God thinks is sin. God is clear what the boundaries are and when we step over them. But sometimes within our own freedom, God speaks to us as individuals. You see, God's boundaries are true for all people in all places at all times. Those are his commands for us. And within those boundaries, there's tremendous freedom. But for some of us, for some of us, he speaks directly to us. He gets real personal in each and every one of our hearts. And he says, He says, what I need you to do is inside your freedom, I need you, you, you alone, to build a fence around this one area. Because of your history, because of your baggage, because of your past, because you know and God knows that if in your freedom you would try to to live and to act and and to go to these places and visit these friends and go back to these behaviors. You know and God knows that if you did these specific things, you would lose self-control and you would then step out of bounds. And so for you, for this particular item, we need to put a fence around it. There's freedom everywhere else, but there's a fence around this one area. It's not a boundary. It's not a boundary for all people in all places at all times. It's a fence for you, for today, for this moment, as long as God tells you to keep it there. For instance, this is hypothetical. I don't know what your home has been like the past couple of weeks. Ours is a little bit crazy with Girl Scout cookies. <laughs> I did get my Thin Mints, and we figured out that Thin Mints are the best value for your dollar. And it'd be very easy to sit and to eat one Thin Mint, and then another, and then another, and then, and then somehow the box is gone. And for some of us, we would wrestle with that and God would check our spirit and he would say, you know what, you lost self-control and you stepped out of bounds. For you, change the variable. What is it? 
God has asked you probably because of your past, because of your history, because of the baggage that, that, you've, that you carry in life, you need to put a fence around something because if you don't, you will lose self-control. You cannot, you cannot handle this. And you need to guard your heart and your life against it. While it's free for everybody else, you guys can eat as many thin mints as you want. But for me, I can't. For you, it's okay. For me, it's not. Again, that was hypothetical. I like my thin mints. (laughs) But I wanted to use a simple, almost goofy illustration to drive home a very deep, poignant point. Because for some of you, these these things that are in your past, the baggage that you carry, the hurts that are there are deeply hurtful and they impact you profoundly. And we need to take this seriously. But we need to understand that as we live this way, it is not only deeply personal, but it's essential that we build this fence. And as we live our life, as we live and are guided by God's boundaries and have tremendous freedom within, within the parameters of God's boundaries, and we, we avoid the fences that, that God has asked us to build, we need to understand this about our fences. This is my problem, not yours. My fence is my fence. It's not your fence. And as we wrestle with that, I need to understand that I need to allow you to enjoy freedom where I've put a fence. I need to allow you to enjoy freedom where I have built a fence in my own life. I cannot come to you and say, you know what, this is a problem for me, so it's a problem for you, and you can't do it, and you better build a fence around it, and you better not be involved in it, because you know what, a good Christian wouldn't. How many of us have heard that in our churches growing up? We've replaced the commands of God with our own fence. The second thing that we do with our own fence is is I never tempt somebody with freedom in a place where I know they have a fence. I never tempt somebody with my freedom where I know you have a fence. I'm sorry that Jason can't have thin mints. I am, because I like them. And so as I live my life and as we walk in friendship, I will never send a Girl Scout to his house. (laughs) I won't do it. I won't go to dinner at their house and bring dessert and bring my box of Thin Mints and open it in front of them. I just won't do it. Now, again, change the variable for your life. My freedom is my freedom, but if I know a brother or a friend of mine has built a fence in a certain area, I have an obligation to not live in that freedom in front of them. 
But when I leave his house, thin mints and milk all night long. Too often, though, we make our fence the boundary. Do you understand that? Too often we make our fence God's boundary. And we say, all people, all places, all times need to live up to my fence. And it's just not true. When we do that, we play God. I am confident that God has given us all that we need in his written word to build the boundaries around our life that will help us walk in faith and grow in faith. And I am confident that as we are led by the Spirit, God will impress upon our hearts the the things and the actions and the activities that we are not to do, the fence that we need to build. God asks us to live in freedom, faith alone in Christ alone. It's inconvenient because for many of us, we've grown up with a list of rules. We've grown up with a list of customs and works that are supposed to lead to righteousness that are to be done in order to prove our faith. It's inconvenient because it's not true. Faith alone in Christ alone brings salvation. It's inconvenient because now we have to unlearn those things and that's very difficult. We have to extend grace. We have to go to people in order to love them and to serve them. And sometimes where we have to go are the places that we've grown up being told you are not to go. And we have to allow others to enjoy freedom that we can't because of our baggage and our history. And we have to sometimes limit our personal freedom so that we don't hurt others. It's inconvenient. It's hard. But we do it because we want to love and serve others. Our faith is proven by who we follow. Who we follow, not what we do. But hear this, as we follow Christ, He and He alone is the one to help us change what we do if it's outside of God's boundaries. He and He alone. Christ did a great thing for us on the cross. And we've come this morning to celebrate that. I was reminded as we sang the song earlier, What can wash away my sin? Nothing. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing but Christ alone. Would we not dishonor Him if we tried to add something to it? Faith alone in Christ alone. That's freedom. Let's pray. Father, as we close these moments, would you seal your truth on our heart? And would you help us to understand freedom, the freedom that you've given us?
and to live and to act in such a way that honors you, that loves others and serves them. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.